Ever heard a joke and wondered, did that really happen? My name's Neil Mackay, comedian and podcast host. Long before I ever started doing stand-up comedy, when I heard comedians tell the craziest, funniest jokes, I would always wonder to myself, did that really happen? And if I got the chance to meet them after the show, I would always ask them. And nine times out of 10, the answer was yes. But I learned as a comedian that the difference between sharing a story with friends and telling it on stage is the ability to take those moments and craft them into a well-worked joke. And it takes even more skill if it is completely made up. In each episode of this podcast, I'll talk to comedians from around the world, play you one of their jokes, and then ask them, did that really happen? My guest today is an American-born Vietnamese comic out of Dallas in Texas. He's been doing comedy for over 10 years all over the US and has performed in Japan and South Korea. My guest today is Liam Smith. Thanks for coming on the show. Nice to meet you, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. a long time coming, right? We've been trying to set this interview up for a long time. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, I'm glad that we finally got this going now. Because we came across each other, you posted in that. So if anyone listens regularly, you know I'm based in Vietnam. And I think we came across each other, you posted in a Vietnam comedy group. So is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I believe it was the Hanoi the Collective Group. That's I think right. That's what it was called. Yeah, I was kind of introduced to it through uh, Tom Rhodes whenever I used to work with him. And he was telling me about that scene over there and then suggested I join it. And I'd been part of the group for some time, but I just maybe a few months ago, that's when it happened was whenever I was inquiring about any kind of, you know, what was going on over there, if there were any shows, opportunities, things like that. So, and then we just kind of got hooked up at that point, which was great. And do you have plans to come over and perform here? Uh, I would always love to perform overseas again. Yeah, I just have haven't really set anything up yet and hard being in my position because it's I don't have like the big TV credits and things like that would guarantee a draw or like even people would want to go see me really I'm just another comic here and I have gone and performed overseas before so I have experience there but uh, I've never been able to even go back to Vietnam well I shouldn't even say go back I've never been to Vietnam and it would great be great to go there to perform so may, perhaps in the future if you ever come for a visit we'll definitely get you on a show for sure we're always at, it's really exciting now since obviously we're coming out of the other end of the pandemic and tourism's opened and the borders have opened we're now getting traveling comedians coming back which we were starved of for years here i mean luckily we've got a really good comedy scene here in vietnam in hanoi and saigon like some amazing amazingly funny comedians so, but it was just, yeah. it was just all of us for the best part of three years. And then to the towards the end of last year, more than 50% of the comedians that were here in Saigon ultimately left because we went through a really strict lockdown. So that was a shame because some of those guys mm. were so, so funny. Um, and now we're just right. building back up. we got some new guys coming on the scene and yeah, really exciting to have comedians from overseas. So you, you're a, a hugely prolific performer. I follow you, obviously, on social media. And you, what, is it 120 nights in a row? Am I right? Or tell us a bit more about that. Uh, so tonight I performed, uh, and tonight was 181 days in a row. You know, last night 
was a big milestone for me. That was 180 days straight. And that's not just one mic I, or one show or anything like that. It's I did, I think, uh, 329 performances during that 180, last 180 days. But yeah, last six months, I've gone up every single night. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm approaching 200 shows total in four years and i'm so proud of that i'm like yes uh, <laughs> right I, we, be proud we, of it that's still a good number yeah yeah i mean the way, the way i think about it like just doing one is the most difficult right like doing one is a huge achievement for most people mm-hmm. anyway for me it took me seven years to finally even get the courage to get up the first time so to get on the verge of 200 now I, and that's all been in vietnam and we don't have a huge amount of mics like this is the the amazing thing I hear about overseas, like the fact that you can go and do multiple mics in one night and you can just get so much stage time here. We have at the moment in Saigon, three open mics in a week. And I think that's been about the most we've ever had was three open mics in one week. So even if you wanted to perform every night here, you couldn't, you know, so either the streak ends or you guys get more mics every night. Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah. Because I just don't plan on ever stopping really. Yeah, I mean it's it's not really a thing that I'm doing. I just I just like to go up every night and mm. so it's just turned into what it is now. So yeah, I wouldn't know what I would be doing each night if not going and telling <laughs> jokes, you know. It's that odd. So Yeah, it's um, definitely it gets an addiction. For some people, I don't think I ever I've really gotten addicted, but I know definitely for some people it's a huge addiction. Although when I come off stage, I'm like, I want to do that again. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know if I'd classify it as an addiction, per se, because I feel like an addiction has some negative connotation <laughs> to it, true, that right? True. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I am very passionate about it, and I just want to go and tell jokes every night mm-hmm. in any capacity that I can, really. So that's just what I'm doing at this point. And like you, probably like during the pandemic, I had not really performed. Yeah, I'll say I maybe went up like three or four times during the pandemic, but for probably over like just over two years while the pandemic was really going on here, I didn't really get to go up very much. And so I didn't really want to go up again until that was all done. To where I didn't have to wear masks during the day. I didn't have to wear in the evening because with the times that I did go up during the pandemic, and I was wearing a mask all day, and then trying to go up at night, like I just ended up just basically bitching about wearing a mask, and Mm. it just was not fun for me. Mm. You can definitely tell you're um, from Texas. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. So once that once that ended, though, I started to make my way back to the stage. And, you know, I started off pretty slow and not going at all during that whole time. I started going up once a week and then picked up to like two and then three. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed into what it is. Yeah, I was not really planning on going up every night. Like that was something that like I kind of talked to with other comics in the area and seeing what it, it really started off as just an idea of like just going up 30 mics in 30 nights that was kind of the whole idea but a lot of comics just that's a pretty big commitment to go up every night 
for 30 days. And a lot of comics, they have other priorities, families, jobs, kids, things like that. And so I didn't get a lot of a lot of support or a lot of people that wanted to do that. And so I didn't really go out and do that to spite them or anything. I just was talking about it. And then it just happened to connect one week to another. And then from then on, I just kept going. Like, that, I think that's the hardest part. Like you're saying, there's like three mics during the week. And then maybe you have shows during on Friday or Saturday. Uh, here, it's it's really difficult if you can't find places to go up Friday and Saturday night to connect week to week. And the first time that I had performed like Sunday through Thursday, and then I got Friday, Saturday show, I was like, okay, well, that's seven days. If I go back Sunday and then just do that again, I'm just going to keep going. And then that's how it started was two weeks, seven days, and then seven days. And then it was over after that. And haven't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that kind yeah. of answers my question. I was going to say, so you've been performing for over ten years. What uh, inspired this? Because I remember when you were posting just at the beginning. I think yeah, when you were saying about thirty days and thirty nights, and then yes. you did it. Sorry, thirty shows and thirty nights, and then you did it, and then it, you just kept going and going and going. So the first thirty days was the most difficult of this whole thing. That's like just getting used to being out every night i also have a regular job too so i worked during the day and then going up at night like i did i had to readjust my body and my mind and to go up every night come home late go to bed in the morning go to work come home get ready go back out again and then just repeat every day uh, and that those thir first 30 days was the most difficult, I would say. But once I got through that, it's really just been just an everyday thing. It's just mm -hmm. what I would do every day. It's kind of like working out or something like that. Yeah. 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 And what's been um, the biggest thing you've learned then in, in during this run? Uh, it takes a lot of a lot of help from others to do that many shows and go up every night. I can't just go and create stage every night i need to rely on like clubs bookers uh, other comics to help me get these stages lined up so that i could continuously do it if i didn't have other people to provide stages for me then it would not be possible for sure especially mm -hmm. friday saturday that's the most difficult for any comic to to do this is that if you don't have a consistent spot to go up week in and week out Friday and Saturday, it, you just can't do it. It's mm. just impossible. So luckily here in Dallas, I would say Dallas-Fort Worth because, you know, the whole scene is connected, the Metroplex. Mm. And luckily at this point, post-pandemic, I've just noticed that there's just a lot more available stage time throughout the week. Just Sunday through Thursday, there's mics going on multiple mics going on each night and then i was able to get into two separate clubs that would allow me to go up on the weekend and so if i'm not booked out out of town or you know on a, on a regular show i can at least go there do a set or the other spot 
do a set and then you know i was still able to connect it and so that's how i do things right now it's if i'm not booked a regular book like uh i've shows uh then i would go to these two clubs one of the two clubs or maybe both if i'm not booked that whole weekend and just do sets there just to so that i could maintain the consistency one of the things i learned from a good friend of mine lars Callio, he's a canadian comedian he did so i did some on i did i started an online open mic during the pandemic because we our timeline in vietnam is a little bit different to the rest of the world the first year of the pandemic we were pretty much insular closed borders not much covid so it was kind of normal and we were watching the rest of the world have just a nightmare mm-hmm. but then once right. the, i think it was the omicron variant got into vietnam it just spread like wildfire and vietnam hadn't really properly prepared with vaccinations the rest of the world had so we went into tough lockdown last year when the rest of the world was kind of coming out of it and going back to more normal so at first we thought it was just going to be a lockdown for like a month or so and then it dragged on and i really didn't want to do online comedy shows but you know i just wanted to perform and do something so i was like all right i'll get it started and it, right. it was unbelievable it's so much fun connected with people around the world some of them have been on this podcast some of them i'm going to meet in person soon it actually was like a really enjoyable experience and I had so much, much, I had so many negative perceptions of it. So thankfully got that, mm-hmm. got that started and, and that was really good. So my, my friend Lars Callio, he actually did a show for me. I was able to, during the lockdown here, you know, it got so bad. We'd been locked up for so long. I was even actually able to do some paid shows for private companies. They would pay me to do host a comedy night for the staff online, which was yeah, pretty incredible. Uh- and I had, right, my, yeah. I had my friend Lars based in Canada, who's like a professional comedian. I paid him, but I mean, it was way, way under what he would usually charge for a corporate show, but he, he did it for a favor. I mean, I wasn't making much money out of it, but he did it as a favor. And he was amazing. Like he instantly came on the camera and it was so funny. He even had like a microphone in his hand that wasn't plugged into anything. He had a red brick wall behind <laughs> him that was just like a printout. And he'd made all these right. little efforts, but just his persona, he was just so funny. Like the audience, I was laughing and I was like in my head as a comedian, I'm like, he's not even telling a joke and he's so funny. So afterwards yeah. I said to him, you know, what, what just not that what's his secret. Cause I know that's a cheesy question, but he like, asked for advice, you know, how basically, how are you so funny? How did you do that? You were just instantly funny. And he was just like, just practice. Mm-hmm. You've just got to keep doing it. He's like, I've performed yeah. I think maybe the number he said was over 2,500 times or something like that. He's been doing it for for a long time. It's probably more than 2,500. I can't remember the number, but whatever he said, I've been doing it for so long. And so I'm not that prolific. Like I said, I'm approaching 200 shows in two in four years. I took a big break in, at one point. But I know that even if I take a week off or a couple of weeks off, I feel so rusty. I need to be performing yeah. every, every week to be... Uh, at yes. my peak i guess there was a couple oh, yeah. of years ago i didn't enter the comedy competition here which is a big thing because we just come out of lockdown and i hadn't performed in weeks or months i can't remember and i was like i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do myself justice so to go back to you that's why i take my hat off to you and kind of what i meant by how much have you learned because i can't imagine the improvement you would have seen in yourself from performing that often oh i will say that performing this much every night multiple times a night it has forced me to write more and not forced me as in like i'm sitting there like oh i gotta write new jokes for 
tomorrow or whatever. It's just because you're performing so much, you're always in that mindset mm. of being a comedian or a comic. And you're just always thinking stuff a lot more. Like yeah. when you take breaks, your mind takes a break and you start going back into like civilian mode. And it's harder to notice things for me anyways, if I'm not constantly in this space where I'm just going up every night, this is just my life now. And I am always ready to go up and I'm always just thinking as a comic now, as opposed to when I take a few days off, like my mind just takes a break and I'm not thinking in that same way. And so that's the one thing that I've seen in doing this is that my mind is just always turned on to noticing little things that I can talk about. And it's not always great stuff, but it's, it's always going. And I'm always, you know, trying out new stuff. Now, every couple of days, I'll find something good or something that I want to work on. And that keeps me motivated. Mm. You know, I think one right thing, now, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I mean, it's, if there's one thing that motivates every comic is getting a new joke, having a new joke to tell. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. When you have something like, Oh man, this is going to be good. And it might not be good, but you feel like it, or <laughs> this is something new I want to talk about. It makes you want to go up and do that. And so going up every night, it's like a, it's like a circular process. Like I go up every night, I write more, and then I want to keep going up because I'm writing more, you know? And so it just, it just works out to where, you know, I'm just getting a lot more material now. I'm a lot more comfortable on stage. I can, any given night, you can ask me to do like one, a minute, two minutes, three minutes, up to an hour. Like it just, I'm always just ready mm. at this point. Yeah. One hundred percent. If you could see yeah. me right now, if the listeners could see me, I'm just sitting here nodding my head because yeah, I, I just agree one hundred percent. And one of the things I actually find it quite difficult. So you know, I do another podcast called a Vietnam podcast, and that's quite uh, takes up a lot of my time. And then I started this one last year. I find it really difficult to balance between doing comedy and doing the podcast. And I, I mentioned about how I took mm. a break before that was because I was focused on the podcast and I sometimes I find it really difficult to switch my brain like you said like because when you're in the comedian mode you're thinking of jokes all the time you're practicing like you know just everyday occurrences you're you're driving about your day and you're like oh yeah this would be funny but then when I switch over to podcast mode I'm thinking about like what do I have to do with that audio what's coming up in that interview like I'm just right in the same Mm -hmm. mindset I've gotten better at it I think recently but in the beginning I really found that difficult but I also 100% agree with what you're saying because I remember I think it was when I felt I'd first started. So again, regular listeners will know my wife. She's basically like my co-writer, you know, like she, she comes up with, I come up with a lot of premises and then she kind of helps finish them off or adds little bits. She's so, so funny, but she like, she'll never get on stage. She's just a a funny, she's got the brain for it. (laughs) And I remember when I first started and she was like, now I'm thinking in jokes all the time. And my brain, I'm like thinking of everything (laughs) I see, I'm like thinking, and I was like, yeah, that's what happens. You just, your brain, it consumes your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just for my 100th and 80th day, which is yesterday, I had posted things that we're talking about, like things that I had learned and 
why I keep going up and just how I think it just makes it, it would make any comic better if they could just go up all the time, mm. you know, and not everyone can do that. Unfortunately, like it just might not be available like over there or you have kids, wives, et cetera. Right. You just can't mm. do it. But I would say, and I think every comic would agree. It's like, if they could just go up as much as they could, then they would just be so much better. Mm. You know, they would just really be so sharp. And so yeah. that's, um, yeah, that's a big motivation. Something that I appreciate doing what I'm doing mm. is, yeah, I'm just in that mode all the time. Yeah. And yeah. And that's also, it's also disappointing when you do see maybe someone doing the first open mic. I'm, I'm thinking of one person I saw here and just absolutely bomb, you know, they did poorly, you know, not, nothing against them. They had just pages and pages of paper. And I remember the host had to like basically... <laughs> get up on stage and be like, hey, thank you. And the guy was like, oh, I still have two more pages left. And we're like, thank you for already about eight, eight And the poor guy, I've never seen him do a mic again. Right. He's kind of like, you just, you, you've got to keep going. Like oh. you're not going to nail it on the first time, you know. I mean, maybe he just right. wanted to do it once and, and be happy with that and be like, yeah, I did it once. So I, I don't know the guy. I don't know him personally. But yeah, I just, I, right. I always say to new comedians as well, I was like, just keep going. Like that, I don't, just, you got to keep getting up. That's yes. the thing. Yes. Yeah. That is, that is the first thing that I say to yeah. any comic that asks me for advice. And I put advice equal to because it's not real advice, right? It's just, mm. if you're going to do this, you have to go up as much as you can. After you, you show that you are committed to it, then I can start giving you more nuanced advice. Exactly. But if you don't go up enough, then it, what I would want to tell you wouldn't even apply because yeah, you're not exactly at that, yeah i've told someone know? the same thing as well there's no point <laughs> in telling you about all these nuances if you've like because you don't know what i'm talking about you've got to get up and do it exactly 100 percent. yes now oh, yeah let's listen to your joke i'm gonna play it right now and then we're gonna find out that that really Great. happened i don't think racism is gonna end in my lifetime you know five to ten is just not long enough <laughs> But I do hope in the future people feel a little weird asking me where the soy sauce is at the grocery store. <laughs> well, you can ask a question just uh, without so much confidence. <laughs> Don't be like, uh, excuse me, uh, soy sauce? <laughs> My name is Liam. So Liam, did that really happen? Uh, yes, that did really happen. Yeah, I work at a grocery store and people, I don't know if it's intentional whenever they ask me where the soy sauce is and they know that I'm going to know exactly where it is, but it seems like it, it really does. Like I've worked at the grocery store and people just ask me it's like asking a crossing guard where directions somewhere like you would assume that they would know and the way that people 
would ask just gave me that feeling <laughs> that they just assume I would know because of me being Asian or Vietnamese or whatever. And that really did happen, but I just had to condense it into a joke form. But yeah, yeah, that, I mean, it still happens. It like happened the other week. <laughs> well, let's be honest. So, you do know where the soy yes, sauce is totally. pretty easily, One, don't you? Uh, yeah, I know where the soy sauce is in every grocery store, I think. <laughs> Not even the ones you work in. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, then, talk about that process then, like taking these real life moments, because as I mentioned in the introduction, that's the difference, right? Because I was explaining to someone recently, you could just be like, oh, hey, this guy asked me for the soy sauce and I just thought he was being racist. So that's a funny story, but it's not a funny joke. How do you then take that and then craft right. it in, into a joke? The joke really took some time to work out to where it is now. It took maybe like two weeks because it, it didn't originally start in that way and with the same kind of inflection on the punchline. I was playing with how the punchline was going to go and I knew I, where I wanted to get to, but I needed to figure out, well, the pacing and the wording of it so that the audience could just get where I was coming from immediately. The premise of it was just not the huge idea of like racism ending. It's just that little bit that it felt racist, right? And that little bit just didn't seem like it will go away. It's just something that people, I think, just assume innocently. And I thought it was just weird because yeah i just don't really understand why people think like that and so like it stood out to my like in my mind and then i just kind of worked it out to where i was playing with it innocently like talking about how people just kind of assume things about you just by the way you look and the soy sauce just because i work in a grocery store and that happened kind of in that way like i was just saying the story at first kind of and then i had to kind of chop it down edit it to where it was quick enough to where it was just a joke at that mm. point but it started off as more because here's the other thing too is i am not one of these people can that can just write the joke as is and then go perform it just like i wrote it i have like an idea of something that bothers me or I think is maybe funny and then I'll bring it to the stage and just talk about it and I record on my sets and I listen to how the crowd reacts to how I s said the joke or I'm telling the story or whatever and so I did that for you know a few nights or about two weeks or so and so that's just how it happened there. I was kind of talking about it on stage and there were certain things that I said. And before, I think the punchline was a lot longer. It was, you know, how does that go? So, yeah, before it would, the setup would be something like, excuse me, do you know where the soy sauce is or something like that, right? Too long, right? Mm. And then and I didn't have like the quick punchline to it where I assumed that they're calling me soy sauce but then also i'll tell them where it is like i kind of had to work that out on stage in the moment and that's mm -hmm. what it all goes back to that comic mode i tend to write like that 
while I'm on stage, when I have something to talk about, something on my mind, but I'm under the gun, so to speak, because I'm on stage in front of people trying to work it out. And so my mind is going into overdrive, trying to get the laugh. Mm. And so it just kind of automatically edits down things and, and I pick up certain wording and yeah, it took some time, not like super long, but it did not start the same way. I could probably go find like the, like I said, I recorded all my sets in the last six months or so. And so I could probably go back and find the first time that I tried it and listen to it. But I just, yeah, I've kind of, I should actually do that one day. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I kind of forget how I used to tell it yeah. in the beginning, like just explaining it. But now it's somewhat polished, I think. And mm. yeah, yeah, it's funny that, you know, uh, I didn't really write it like that to begin with. It took some process of how they say, like a sculptor, they, they kind of just chisel away until the art re reveals itself. So oh, I like that one. Yeah, that's good. It's a very similar yeah. style to me. I think I don't even really write jokes down. I just come up with them in my head, like a premise or an idea. And then I'll just go to open mic and kind of work it out from there. Or I do, I mean, like I said, my wife is basically my co-writer. So I'll, be, I'll almost often bounce them off her and she'll give some great advice. Yeah. But it's a it's oh, interesting, yeah. similar thing as well. Working them out on stage. Uh, you know, I've got a, a joke right now. So I got robbed recently. I had my iPhone pickpocketed from a lady boy. And, uh, oh, wow. And it's a whole massive, it's a whole story. Like it's so traumatic. Like I'm still pretty traumatized by it. It was pretty horrible. <laughs> But it gave me an amazing joke. Like, it was so funny. And when I first yeah. started telling it on stage, kind of similar to what you just mentioned, I would just kind of tell the story because it was so crazy and funny in itself that it would get, people were interested, it would get laughs. But then over time, and it was after a few weeks of doing it, my wife was like, okay, that happened a while ago now. You need to now turn that into a joke. And I was like, yeah, she's like, right. you're just telling the story. And I was like, yeah, that's yes. right. So then yeah. that's when you the skill comes in when you're like, okay, these are the points I'm going to hit. These are the funny bits. I'm going to get to them quicker. I'm going to miss this bit out because it doesn't add to the story. It's not funny. Um, right. Mm -hmm. And now it's like one of my best bits. It's, it's, it's pretty new in the last few months and it's, it keeps getting better and better, which I like. And I take really old jokes and still make them better. I've got a joke yes. that I still tell on stage. I just told it, I was headlining a set on the weekend. I, it's still one of my kind of best jokes. And that was one of, that I did that joke on my first ever set. And like you, I've, mm. I've listened to it. I've gone back and there's so much fat and detail that's not necessary. Whereas now it's just like short and to the point. Yeah. yeah. So I think I have a very similar process to you. And it, it, what I love about this podcast is talking to comedians and finding out the different processes because everybody's different. You know, I just interviewed Joe Vu and yes. he'll, he'll sit down and write it all down and, and, and kind of he'll record himself doing it before he gets on stage. Whereas I just like think of it in my head and I'm like, all right, I'll do that on stage. I'll figure it out. And then <laughs> you know, put it together with another bit, shorten it down, things like that. So do, you, do yeah. you write down anything or are you, everything's in your head? So I write down some things. Most of the things that I write down are just keywords. Mm. Sometimes like I've, you know, I have a notes in my notes app. I have like raw ideas. Like yeah. I have yeah. to put down like kind of why it's funny, kind of summarize it, but it's not the joke per se. Yeah. Say. It's, it's something that I noticed why I thought it was funny at that moment. And then, you know, a lot of that stuff is trash. Obviously, <laughs> like, <it> just, <laughs> you know, but there's certain ones that end up 
being something when I bring up to the stage and like, oh yeah, that's right. That's why I thought this was funny. Mostly why it bothered me that most of the stuff that bothers me is the stuff that really works the best. And so I'll just take those raw ideas from my notes. Like I'll have to explain kind of a little bit to myself why I even thought this was funny. And then I'll take that to the stage and then I'll just add like little tags and things like that. If I think of them, if I'm not on stage in my notes, like sometimes I'm working or driving a lot of times I'm driving, I'll think of a tag. So I have to put it in the notes, but if I am doing it on stage, I'm already recording the audio on stage. So I, and I listen to my sets, you know, after every set, I listen to it and I'm able, I don't know, miraculously able to condense it in my head after I listen to it. Okay. That's good. That's good. I don't have to write down the joke. Like let's say the soy sauce joke. I have it written that like how I do it. The only time I've written it is maybe putting it up for reels, for videos and things like that. And I caption it. And so I edit it. To, and that's actually really a useful tool too, as well, to just see the words of the jokes of that, any joke, how it goes when I say it, because writing it down is really tedious to me. Mm. And so I don't do that. I just have to write the ideas I like, work it out on stage, and then edit it in my head a little bit. And then, yeah, I write down some things to just help me, but I don't, I, I can't write full jokes out. It's, yeah, that would be a, a nightmare to <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah, I cannot do that. <laughs> I've got two quick questions for you before we wrap it up. Number one, All right. have you ever thought of a joke like in the middle of the night, like in your sleep or on or when you're driving, something like that? And then you just completely forget the joke. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's the worst, oh, isn't it? Man, that, You're like, what was that yeah, joke? Because, what was that joke? At? Yeah, right? Oh, man, that is <laughs> one of the worst feelings, you know, because, <laughs> you know, you just want to find something to write it down or like, oh, God, I get it. I'm going to forget this. How yeah. do I record this somehow? Yeah. And it's just lost in the wind forever uh, but i've done it i've thought of stuff in my I sleep i know <laughs> i've thought right. of stuff in my sleep and then i'm like just grab your phone and just like type two words in i'm like oh, i'm too tired i'll remember it i'll remember it and then i wake uh, up and i'm like oh i forgot what was that joke i forgot oh uh, no yeah i mean if i'm laying in bed and i know that my phone is right there and i'm thinking about something and i think it's it's worth writing down i'll get up and write it because <laughs> i just know that I will forget it later. And sometimes it'll come back up again. That does happen. Like if it, it's <laughs> truly something in your head, but most times, I mean, and I think all of us, we just, if we don't write it down, we'll just kind of forget yeah. it. And yeah, that's just another lost idea that I can't <laughs> work on. And I'm just, yeah, I'm completely livid for sure. I can't remember if somebody told me this or this is my own original thought. So if someone did tell me this, then I'm sorry, I forgot who told me it. But if you don't remember it, then it probably wasn't that good anyway. Right. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I, I think, think I've that, held that right. Yeah, that's like a very, I think that's just like a general rule of thumb. <laughs> if you write down everything, then that's probably best. Because, yeah, I've written down stuff that it wasn't good anyways, mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, just write down everything. And if you don't, if you miss an idea here or there, yeah, I try not to get too yeah. been out of shape out of it. You'll have it, other but... ideas in the end, won't you? Yeah. Right. Now, the other question yeah. I was going to ask is, 
have you ever written something down like a couple of keywords i do a similar thing as well just write down a couple of keywords or have you gone through old notes and then found maybe a, a note and then you're like what was that joke oh yeah yeah like yeah <laughs> i we talked about earlier like i i try to write down if i think of something i'll i won't write the whole joke down unless it's like short jokes i can write really quick i like to write real short Rodney Dangerfield type jokes. I love writing jokes like that. And so you have like to me, I have to write down the whole thing on that because it's short and the wording is important. But if it's like an idea that I think is funny and I just jot down a couple words that at the time I think, oh yeah, I'll figure out why that was funny later. And then it's not clear enough. Then I'm like, okay, why was this funny? Yeah. What, what was I thinking here again? And yeah, I'll just sit there and be like, try to just die, like really think about like, why did I write this down? What, what was funny about this? I'll even you know? say it to my wife. I'll be like, I'll be like, Adrian, what was that? Remember I told you that thing? There was that joke about something. What was that again? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, remember we were talking and we were in the restaurant and I said like, this would be really funny. And what was it? And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah i mean i uh, my notes app right now i have it just by like year so like <laughs> this year it's just completely filled with stuff you know just to add new stuff in there like i have to scroll all the way down to the bottom right now <laughs> just to get to the bottom so i can add something new and so as i'm scrolling i'm seeing all these old ideas that i some I fleshed out and got to work, but the majority is just, you know, fleeting thoughts. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's something to try that week, something to try that night, and we'll see what goes, what happens with it. But yeah, I mean, that's why I go up, so I have to go up and write so much because, I mean, I'm just not one of those people that everything I write down is going to be just fantastic. Mm. I just, I really have to work it out. <laughs> well. So. Liam, this has been awesome. I'm so glad we finally got to connect. Sorry it took so long. Great yeah. to hear your story. Great to it's chat. Great. Tell people listening where they yeah. can find you on social media. You can find me all over social at Liam Comedy. That's at L-I-E-M Comedy. You can find me everywhere like Instagram, Facebook, blackpeoplemeet.com, Venmo, Cash App, <laughs> Farmers Only, <laughs> OnlyFans, <laughs> wherever. <laughs> Yeah. Look it up at Liam Comedy and then you'll be in for a surprise. Yeah, I'll, then, I'll, it I'll, seems. I'm, I think I'm like the only Liam that does comedy. I don't know about the scene that well over there in Vietnam. I don't know if, if there's there, any other Liams that do comedy. If there was, the, not that I know of. And if there was, he would probably be Irish and it would be L I A M. And before you ask, I'm not Irish. I'm Scottish. <laughs> okay. I know you probably think You're I'm Scottish. Irish. Yeah, Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. From Glasgow. I got That's it. the one. You got yeah. it. You got it. All right, mate. Yeah. I will hopefully be in Dallas, Texas within the next year. So I'll definitely hit you up and I definitely look forward to performing with you. Oh, yeah. Definitely let me know. And I'm hopefully on my streak still and I can hook you up with, you know, three mics a night. Oof. I don't know if my so, wife will like that, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> hey, would you rather do three mics throughout the whole week that you're here or just knock it out in one night and then you can spend the rest of the time with your wife and family. That's right. Well, she'll be listening you know? to this. So Adrian, let me know. Can I do three mics in one <laughs> night? Or, or, or can I just do three mics every night? Uh, maybe that would just be better. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> hey, yeah. You know, to, uh, definitely run this by her and then just let me know. <laughs> I'll uh, let we'll you know. looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. All right, mate. Yeah, Cheers. Talking to you. Good talking Thank to you, you too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 
Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Did That Really Happen? A new podcast from 7 Million Bikes. I've been your host, Neil Mackay. If you enjoyed that and want to hear from comedians around the world about their jokes and if they are true, then make sure to follow and subscribe from wherever you are listening from right now and follow 7 Million Bikes on social media. The links are in the show notes. Cheers. hope you enjoyed this episode if you're like me you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public wi-fi this opens you up to digital snoopers it's a massive problem it can be your internet service provider or you know who looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data these days it is vital that you keep your data safe NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.